This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Tattoos gone wrong. The world needs smarty pants kids. Bad employees save Subway. The Cubs right or wrong. And Rick's brush with Barbara Billingsley. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia, Minutia Men, Men with Rick and Dave. Now, welcome to another episode of Minutia Men with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. Uh, Dave and I were talking right before we went on the air here uh, about uh, a, a tragedy. Let's just call it what it is. A tragedy that's happening out here in Mount Prospect. And that is... I am somehow in last place <laughs> in my baseball fantasy league. Yeah. Uh, and and let me just say that I've been in this league now for 30 years or 28 years, however long this league has been around. And I have finished in the money, which means the top five, 27 of those 28 years. Last year was the first year I didn't. And now <laughs> it's like... I'm in last. I'm up. in last place. So, in your little fantasy town of your fantasy team, are they calling for your resignation oh, right they're now? They're probably just laughing at me. They're probably just laughing at me. I mean, I, so, I was. I'm 15 points out of 10th place. I'm in 11th place. How much? How much time do you think you're spending on fantasy baseball? I'm just curious. Just well, spitballing here. Never mind. It's none of your business. No, seriously, come on. You owe this to me. How much time are you spending? How much time are you spending talking to your children versus how much time are you spending okay, on fantasy okay, baseball? That's that's out of line. I definitely still spend more time talking to my children. Well, they're taint, they're teenagers, so possibly not. Well, actually, you know what? Now that you've point that out, they're not big talkers. At least the uh, older two aren't. Hmm. Hadn't really thought well, of it that way. Well, good luck for you because you're. Um, your fantasy baseball prowess is pretty much all you have. It is. That's take that away from me, and I'm just the <laughs> yeah, you got no clothes. Yeah, you're just a gout elephantitis gout boy <laughs> with absolutely you know, you know what no else? qualities. I went to uh, visit uh, Bridget's family in in uh, Louisiana family reunion last week. Mm-hmm. And, your fifth uh, vacation in the last it six wasn't weeks. A vacation. It was a family reunion. It was more like duty than a vacation. <laughs> I just said duty. Um, but anyway, um, one of the aunts or cousins uh, says to me, you know what? Nobody wears black gym shoes anymore. And I was and wearing black gym shoes. And I said, oh, really? I said, I didn't get that memo. She goes, yeah, th- th- they look terrible. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And she said, and if you wear them with white socks, you're a dork. <laughs> And she's ninety three, right? No, no, she's but she is older than me. <laughs> like, really? I did not know that. Uh, so apparently, I not, I'm a dork. I have not changed the way I've dressed in thirty five years. I, I think, think if we stay consistent, eventually it's going to come back around. Again. Come back in style. We're going to be well. Look at the hipsters; they're doing our moves back from the eighties, right? Basically, my son Tommy's haircut is exactly like mine was in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Yeah, the mullet is coming back. It was a great look, and it should be coming back. Um, I part my hair down the middle. Just the part is now 
like super wide seven inches <laughs> but i parted it down the middle too it's a little bit different yeah i remember the first time uh this is when i was still in college oh, i was probably a junior or a senior and i remember the first time i went to a um, you know the haircutting a barber who wasn't a barber what are you click a hair not a hair salon you know yeah. one of those places whatever you know you get your hair cut um and the woman started to mention to me you know you're thinning on top here um why don't you buy the shampoo it'll fill out your hair and there'll be no you know you'll have no issues and it was like 25 bucks and in 1985 dollars that's like a million right yeah. uh-huh. and i bought it I bought the shampoo, uh, and it didn't work. What? Uh, what? Yeah, taking no, advantage of our hairless Americans. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I, but I do remember that that first time that I was that that first inclination, like, well, this this could go south pretty quick, and it did. You know, we Basically. were on, we were in uh, Germany with the soccer team this past summer and the guy who was uh, our photographer is his name is todd schneider i'm going to call him out by name because i'm still upset about this mm-hmm. he made sure that every picture taken of the boys like live shots had my bald spot in it <laughs> like from the sideline you can't look at any pictures from this trip without seeing my bald spot which i don't think is cool but you know the the worst thing about your bald spot is it's the same bald spot for like the last twenty years. That's the best part about my bald. No, spot. no. For me, it gave me hope. You know, when I had already lost my hair, and you're starting to lose your hair, and I'm like, all right, it's just a matter of time. But your bald spot has not. You have a shitty bald spot. You have a pussy bald spot that isn't growing. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, your bald spot is a, <laughs> is a total sissy. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. So. All right, should we should we should, should we yeah, should probably sure. do some minutia? All right, I have some sure. audio. Let's do, just to get the ball rolling. Here we go. You're listening to Minutia Men, featuring the wacky exploits of your good pals Rick and Dave. Give them 22 minutes, and they'll give you absolutely nothing of value. Okay, Dave, I'm gonna turn it over to you, and you can give us some minutia. Do, do we don't have a what's wrong with Indiana audio, do we? No, we should get that, though. Yeah, because uh, this is, a, yeah, this is out of Indiana. Muncie, Indiana. Um, tattoo foils man's bid to use false name. Muncie, Indiana. Dateline Muncie. A man's bid to convince police he was somebody else was foiled by a tattoo featuring his real name on the back of his neck. It's dumbass. <laughs> James Jason Buck, 33, of the 600 block of West Grand Street. Was that also uh, on, on the tattoo? Yeah, right. Yeah, actually, it was a big tattoo that says, hello, my name is. Yeah, social right, security you know, number. Uh, yeah, right. right. Uh, um, was arrested for false inform- false informing and possession of meth- uh, methamphetamine. Methamphetamine. What's it called? That's called a meth. Right, a meth. Uh, methamphetamine. Uh, he was taken into custody about seven o'clock um, after the authorities report. Uh, they got a report of a suspicious man in the area, so they take uh, Mr. Buck to the police station the courthouse whenever i hear courthouse i think of andy griffith don't you (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) uh and so what he said he said that his name was uh let me tell you what his name oh dill they said that he identified himself as william dill okay Mm -hmm. but dill 
raised the uh, the official the officer's suspicions by refusing to identify the names that he had been with visiting uh, visiting locally. He also provided two different birth dates. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say again? Was oh, no, no, no. Like March fourth? What did What did <laughs> yeah, I say? Right. Yeah. And, and- and the wrong year, one was that he was 27, then one that he was 37. Um, he was then taken to the Delaware, another Delaware County Jail, where the officer noticed that the name Buck was tattooed on the man's neck. Have a seat, Mr. Buck, the officer said. And Buck turned around and had a seat. Oh, boy. <laughs> That he revealed that his real name and his date of birth. So, um, for our listeners out there, yeah, you know, don't tattoo your name on your neck if you're planning on doing anything uh, dubious. You know what? Just can we come up with some tattoo rules for society? Yeah, I know this is coming from a dork. Yeah, right. Ooh. But I think nobody that is 35 years or younger should be allowed to get a tattoo just because I don't think they understand the implications of what they're doing. That's number one. Number two, no tattoos ever on your face or your neck. Yeah, right. Uh, Well, the face. Yeah, the face I just don't understand. Uh, you You ever see the people that like paint their face like as satan you ever see those guys and and, like split their tongues and stuff um where are these people ever going to get a job it's not always going to look like a great idea that's all i'm saying and if you're if you're 37 and you do that fine enjoy your time in jail for the rest of your life just do it but if you're 17 and you're a moron like all 17 year olds are you shouldn't get a tattoo did you do you remember oh god this is probably 1980 i was we were working at pgu at the time 86 or 87 when squeaky from when she escaped from prison you know who squeaky from is yeah, she Charles was Manson's. the one that tried to kill gerald ford gerald right? ford yeah. right but she was serving i think a life sentence for that yeah. um and she escaped from prison do you remember this yeah vaguely and uh, I was on the air, and it was really late at night. And they had you remember the source, you know, whenever you had whenever you had the news alarms yeah, go off, yeah, mm-hmm. and you ha- and this was like a one or a two. I don't think it was a one; it was probably a two. And we were supposed to air all of the number twos, you know, as a as a news bulletin. Sure. Do you know what? I'm, right. yeah, yeah. So it was it was squeaky from from as she escaped from prison and they gave her they gave the description of what she looked like that was you know five foot seven weighs 107 pounds whatever blah 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 and she has a swastika tattooed on her forehead which was the last thing that they mentioned wouldn't you mention the swastika the first thing again that's what i'm saying a young squeaky from wasn't thinking right right Right, but the older one who had escaped from prison. Oh, oh crap! I, I got this. Knew I got shouldn't my, have done that. So there you go. You know, I have a, I have some tattoo minutia if you'd like. Okay, sure. Uh, celebrity tattoo minutia. Uh, there are several celebrities that have tattoos, as we know, but some of them aren't spelled correctly. Did you know that? <laughs> no. Um, Kevin Durant basketball player kevin durant uh-huh. Tall man. he has he has a long tattoo on the back it's like a long passage i didn't read the whole pasture or uh, the whole uh, passage but the word mature is misspelled on it instead of m-a-t-u-r-e it's spelled m-a-u-t-r-e just flip the yeah yep 
but um, Jennifer Lawrence, very one of my favorites, good, good actress. She has H two O tattooed on her hand, but for water. But instead of the little, you know how the two is supposed to be underneath the H. Mm-hmm. Hers is above the okay. H. Okay, maybe it's a stylistic uh, decision. Maybe. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp had a, and this is actually pretty funny. Johnny Depp had uh, Johnny Depp had a tattoo that read Winona Forever. Right, that was famous. Right, and then he changed it to Wino Forever <laughs> because he broke up with Winona. Right. Here's another t- tattoo tip: don't put don't put your girlfriend's name. Don't tattoo your girlfriend's name. And, and you know what? Well, let's be honest: not your wife's either until you hit like the 25th anniversary. Because mm-hmm. one out of every two marriages ends in divorce. Tattoos are permanent. So, uh, so Johnny Depp and Jennifer Lawrence and Kevin Durant did not heed those warnings, and look what it got them. Okay. Well, see, sometimes you should listen to a dork. Not that I'm taking that personally. Okay. Uh, we have uh, – I have some more minutia for you, and this is kind of a heartwarming story out of uh, London, England. The Natural History Museum has been forced to change a dinosaur display after a 10-year-old boy pointed out a mistake. Charlie Edwards was enjoying a birthday sleepover at the world-famous attraction when he noticed the error. He realized that a silhouette display, which was meant to represent an oviraptor, a small carnivore with a parrot-like beak, was in fact a different dinosaur. They had mistakenly used the silhouette of a protoceratops, which was a sheep-sized herbivore. Charlie told his parents about what he had spotted and uh they basically told him shut up kid you know yeah right, right. <laughs> yeah i don't think the museum has right. it wrong yeah. um <laughs> this is why you're this is why you're getting beaten up every day <laughs> that's why that's why you know me and the other father all the other fathers make fun of me because of you Uh, but the uh, passionate amateur paleontologist refused to back down or pain ass pain in the ass and after returning home uh, he he emailed the Natural History Museum to see if he was correct and was delighted to receive a ply confirming that he was and the museum (laughs) even sent him a letter thanking him for his efforts Uh, that's so congratulations to little Charlie Edwards and you know I have a child like this, one of my sons, my right. my sure. oldest, and he uh, used to notice things like this. <laughs> it was it was ninety percent uh, impressive and ten percent right. embarrassing. Yeah. Right, exactly. I remember uh, one time he was in um, uh, religious education. All right, so religious ed is something that I agreed that all the boys would go and we're, we're Catholic and mm-hmm. and he was I th- I want to say he was around 7 years old and it was Easter time and Tommy little 7-year-old Tommy raises his hand and this is the questions he this this is totally totally true story he says um yeah Mrs whatever um when Jesus is on the cross and he's saying uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Who's he talking to? Yeah. And the teacher said, well, of course, he's talking to God. And Tommy said, but he is God. Remember, <laughs> Jesus is God. So is he talking to himself? <laughs> um, no. Uh, it's a th- And she said, you know what? Talk to your mother. 
<laughs> yeah, right, right. About right. this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So Johnny hired a Jewish uh, Jewish attorney, Milton yeah. Rabinowitz, and, uh, and cross-examined the lady. Um, yeah, I mean, these are the well, kind of questions he used to – he used to, he once said to me, Dad – and he was like five years old. He, he, he were looking uh, – he was actually playing in a soccer game, <laughs> came off the field, <laughs> and he said, Dad, where does the sky and, and the atmosphere begin? Yeah. Right. And you're the perfect person to answer that yeah, question. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's a soccer game. Like, right. hey, Tommy, I think you're supposed to pay attention to the game. Uh, I remember once Lila, she could not have been older than like two and a half. And um, I picked her up from daycare and I brought her coat um, because it was getting cool throughout the day. And I say, honey, put your coat on. And she goes, no, I don't want to put my coat on. I'm like, well, it's getting cold. You know, put your coat on. Then she looks at me and goes, well, you're not wearing a coat. And totally right there at like age 20 months or whatever it was, she blew the hole into my <laughs> argument. I'm like, and I had no comeback. And I'm like, all right, well, you win. I think <laughs> the moral of the story is kids are smarter than parents. So that's absolutely. Yep. That's all right. Sure. Uh, do you have any other minutia for us? Are you a Subway fan? Well, you are a Subway fan. And and one of the few things, well, actually, you've done a lot of things that in, in your life that have impressed me, but you're. Your strategy, your life hack, your subway life hack, I thought was brilliant. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, is this the, the buying the veggie sandwich <laughs> yes. and coming home and putting yes. the lunch meat on myself? Exactly. You would buy you would buy a veggie sandwich and for a cheaper price than what with the meat. Yeah. And then you would just go and add your own lunch meat at home. That I'm was brilliant. A very cheap man. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, but this comes out of Rhode Island. Subway clerks ignore robber until he just goes away (laughs) police at coventry rhode island are looking for an understandably frustrated man who tried to rob a subway sandwich shop but was foiled by two teenage clerks who did what teenagers do best they ignored him (laughs) the man was described as being in his mid 50s to mid or mid 40s to mid 50s heavy set and wearing what appeared to be a white t-shirt all right let me let me kind of tangent here. Yeah, um, that's us. Yeah, I was well exactly. <laughs> what what I I always wanted to know is how I would be described by a police bulletin. Yeah, what, wouldn't you? Super attractive bald man. <laughs> right, Vic Matur, a bald with a Vic swastika Matur- on his forehead. <laughs> right, right, exactly, <laughs> but no, wouldn't you like? I mean, would someone say, ah, you know, I don't know, mid sixties? Yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how I would be react, how they would describe me. Um, so this man walks into um the subway. Uh, he demands money at the counter. And the two teenage employees did not respond. The man who looks exasperated. Did they have, did they have headphones on? <laughs> uh, it doesn't say. But the man who looks exasperated in uh, in the security camera video becomes agitated and mumbled something under his breath. And he just walked out of the business, police said. <laughs> this is why no one ever robs the DMV or right, the post right. office. Or the post office. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I think this is just... What a great story. I love it. You know? And I, I'm on the robber's side here. Yeah, Aren't me you? too. Me too. Come on, and not just because we were the sh- have the same schlumpy uh, uh, characterization. Mid-50s heavy set and wearing what appears to be a white T-shirt. I would like to think we wouldn't be called heavy set. Doughy. 
Doughy. Be Doughy? Yeah, Doughy's good. Yeah. Uh, man in his late 50s whose best years have been behind him. <laughs> With, you can see the sadness in his eyes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> whose life has, kicked it, life has kicked him in the gut time and time again. Walked into a subway store. Uh, <laughs> he was weeping at the time. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. right. So, uh, Dave, tell uh, the people how they can subscribe to uh, this this a wonderful uh, saga of crime this cavalcade yeah. of fun mm-hmm. uh well rick you can uh you can subscribe to minutia men by going to the radio misfits.com website uh and there you have links to all the different ways that you can subscribe you can subscribe on stitcher mm-hmm. on itunes on google play on tune in uh, and you can also download the episodes right on this website, too, if you are on radiomisfits.com. So please subscribe. And if you love the show, even if you kind of like it, review it on iTunes. We have, I think, 80 reviews now. Yeah, it, actually, you sent me a couple of them. Um, I, I printed them out here because uh, the locations are all over the place. Like uh, there is one here from Australia. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Another one from Canada, North Carolina. Um, uh, let's see here. I'll read a couple of them here. Uh, Minutia men are really terrific guys. <laughs> I mean, just really swell from their trivia to their cub geekness. They really make my day brighter. Thanks for your oh. podcast. Oh, right. Um, but here's the one I like. Um Pointlessly delightful. <laughs> <laughs> that's our lot. That's our tombstone. I'm going to put that on my tombstone. We should use that definitely as a as a tagline. <laughs> the Manisha Men is solid good times. A perfect duo of friends with a rapport so engaging they literally don't need to do anything to be fun. <laughs> that Which is, is pretty our... much. That's pretty much what we do. I found my that. cheeks delightfully sore after my first episode, and I'm now definitely a fan. Well, that's a very nice thing to say. Uh, well, we appreciate all the nice words, and uh, please, our listeners who have not reviewed us, please do on iTunes. That would be great. Okay, so it is time for our Cubs feature. Time now for a collection of Cub geekness. This is Just One Bad Century. With Rick and Dave. Okay, Dave, uh, for this uh just one bad century. I'm going to try to do something I've never done on the broadcast before. And uh, I'm warning it could go bad. All right. Okay. Um, but it's all because Steve Bartman is in the news this week. Steve Bartman, <laughs> the famous Cubs fan who reached across and and touched a ball and was blamed by most of the Cub fans for uh, keeping us from going to the World Series. But I, let me note, not me. I never did feel that way about Steve Bartman. Anyway, uh, the Cubs, in what I consider to be a incredible show of, uh, I don't know, what, forgiveness? Or, good faith. Good, good faith. faith. Yes, exactly. Gave Steve Bartman a World Series ring. But then he dropped it over the railing and he can't find it. <laughs> That's not very nice. Um <laughs> But I, I was listening to sports talk radio a couple of days, uh, and and some of these uh, sports talk hosts are like, well, you should never get a ring. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, bite me. Yeah, bite me is right. Come on. This you know what? The guy's life was ruined. I know. Because I know. of like 
morons like you. Didn't he get his electricity turned off? Didn't like the oh there the, were all the electric company things that happened you know, to him. Yeah, that was just complete bullshit. But our buddy Dane was there the day that this happened, and 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 uh, I recorded this for just one bad century about uh, seven eight years ago. And it's on YouTube if you want to find it. Dane Placco is his name. It uh, says Dane Placco on the Bartman game. I'm going to play a little bit of what Dane had to say, and it should work. And Dave, you're just going to have to be quiet here for a second. All right, ready? Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Go. Oh, you were being quiet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know what you. Were, I didn't know if I should say. You told me to. Be, this was Simon says. I didn't know what to do. Okay. Okay. Try that again. Be quiet now so everybody knows the story of game six of the national league championship series at wrigley field the bartman game as it's commonly called well here's my take on it i was there covering it as a reporter for one of the local news stations and i really didn't see the play i was standing in the tunnel when the ball was kind of twisted foul off down the left field line and it went out of my line of vision and i heard a weird reaction from the crowd like a kind of disappointed reaction and then people started shouting I was like I don't know what's going on so I tapped a guy in the show so what happened he says look like some fan interfered with the ball stuck his hand out my phone goes off my cell phone goes off it's the desk at the station say you got to get that guy you got to find him I said what does he look like they gave me a general description so I went down the left field concourse at Wrigley Field with my cameraman and by the time we got down to the end of the concourse uh, what had been a three to nothing game was like <laughs> eight to three. I mean, it went bad like that. It, it was instantaneous, a few minutes and they were way behind. So the crowd is getting a little angry about the Bartman situation. So I get down to the, uh, the little tunnel area where the fans would come down from that area where Bartman was sitting. And what I didn't know at the time was they were bringing other fans out who had thrown stuff at Bartman and uh, security would grab a fan who did something like that bring them down the steps and all the people gathered down there to see this Bartman character that nobody knew anything about at the time would start screaming at him and yelling at him and security would hustle them off to their office and this crowd was building I mean it was what was initially 50 or 100 people got bigger and bigger and bigger as the significance and the import of the moment grew and eventually there's like a thousand people down there and it was a lynch mob mentality it was a little bit scary it was very dark and they keep bringing these people down for throwing stuff at Bartman and everyone's screaming at them and then they hustle them. but nobody knows if that's Bartman or not because nobody really had a good look at him in the park so Finally, after 15, 20 minutes of this, they bring a guy down the steps, and this time we're pretty sure it's Bartman because they've got jackets over his head, a ring of burly security guys around him, and they hustle him through the crowd, up the ramp, and into the security office. And the crowd went nuts. They were screaming at him, throwing stuff at him. I mean, I heard little old ladies using words that little old ladies ought not to use. They get him inside. I always thought that if the security had just stopped in the middle of that crowd and walked away, I would have witnessed something really, really ugly. And it was, uh, it was just very odd because, you know, it was baseball. It's only baseball, right? And yet, when, when I, I swear to you, it was the ugliest scene I've ever been a part of. And they got him out of there, they stuck him in a cab, 
for his own safety. He went home, and the crowd stuck around there for like another 10, 15 minutes, <clears throat> waiting to see what was happening. And by that time, the game was over, and then people started going up into the stands to where Bartman had been sitting and began touching the seat as though it were some sort of talisman or something. Uh, it was just a very odd scene, and we knew that night that something oddly special, horribly special had happened, and that it would uh, continue uh, uh, to be a great part of Cubs lore. And that's my take on being there that night, and uh, it's a scene I will never forget. And that's uh, our buddy Dane Placco. You know, you had mentioned the people that blamed Bartman. Yeah. Yeah, I think Dane Placco. <laughs> I think Dane. He might have been one of them. <laughs> I think Dane might have been one of the blamers, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way that this poor guy was vilified. Well, I thought, you know, I thought that Cubs handled it right now. I mean, they mm-hmm. brought him in privately, secretly, gave him the ring, and then after he was gone, announced that he got the ring. And he put out a statement, and here's the end of it. Um, Words alone cannot express my heartfelt thanks to the Ricketts family, Crane Kenny, Theo Epstein, and the entire Cubs organization for this extraordinary gift and providing the city of Chicago and Cubs fans everywhere an unforgettable world championship in 2016. I'm happy to be reunited with the Cubs family and positively moving forward with my life. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to say this about him. He has handled this entire thing with absolute class from the moment it happened. And I would not have. I would I would have profited every which way I could off of this. You know, he didn't. You know, he I'm sure he must have gotten tons of offers to, to make money off of this. No, right. No, I'm sure. Like. You know, like a a Southwest commercial, want to get away? Yeah, exactly. He could have made a fortune, and I would have been that guy. I would have said, "Bite me, Cubs! I'm gonna, (laughs) I'm gonna make as much freaking money off of you, off of this as possible." Uh, Wouldn't you? I mean, absolutely. I would have done that too. I'm sure I would have. So yeah, yeah, good for him. The uh, you know, my niece worked with him at. A company in Lincolnshire, I think I can't remember Hewitt and Associates or something okay. like that. All right, she was in. I mean, he was continued to work. I mean, he had to, and yeah. that, you know, people knew who he was. Um, and there was an article some time ago about a Sports Illustrated reporter that tried to do a feature on him. Right, and that he came like out st- of the car and everything. Right, yeah. right in the parking lot of Hewitt and Associates, yeah. I think. And Bartman wouldn't wouldn't bite. So, um, so good for Steve Bartman. Yeah. Uh, yep. I agree. It, and now he will be back at the ballpark because he hadn't been to the, he hadn't gone to a Cub game, right? Or I mean, would you? How do you know? Yeah. No, I guess not. Uh, I definitely wouldn't sit in the front row again. And, yeah, and you know he's never worn a cub hat uh, with glasses and headphones <laughs> ever again. So right. whatever. And a red, you know. He read a renegade shirt. Right. Uh, he's probably got blonde hair now and, you know, a gonna, mohawk. And... Well, he's got a tattoo on his face. <laughs> All right, it's time for our final feature of the show. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the Costco jar, pulls out a name of a celebrity that I have run into during my career, and I have to just tell the story of 
how I encountered this celebrity. I was strangely attracted to this woman. Um, Uh-oh. Maybe an, uh, I don't know, like an Oedipal complex type thing. Barbara Billingsley. Oh, yeah. Wasn't she kind of, I mean. Yeah, I could see it in a Donna Reed kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the pearls and everything. Yeah, yeah, Um, definitely. Barbara Billingsley. Memo to Michelle. Um, So Barbara Billingsley, I'm trying to remember why we got her on the phone in the first place. But here's the reason why her name is in the Costco jar. Uh, She turned out to be absolutely hilarious. Mm. Um, remember the scene in Airplane that she did? You know, the, yeah, the talk jive. jive. Yeah, right, exactly. right, right, right. Um, it, it was some anniversary. I can't remember why uh, we got her on the phone, but here's how I got her on the phone. I called information yeah. in Los Angeles, and she was listed. <laughs> well, and yeah. uh, picked up the phone, you know, dialed it. It, it hello, it's Bar- it was Barbara Billingsley, and we when did... she pi- when she picked up the phone, was there like the the soundtrack in the background? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. And you can imagine this poor woman has heard Beaver jokes for the last no, fifty I... years, right? I know, I know, I know. I think she has since passed away, but she was in her eighties at that time uh, that we talked to her, and she was delightful and funny and and would go anywhere and was listed in the los angeles phone book so thank you very much barbara billingsley for not getting a private unlisted number and allowing us that one moment with you on the air back in 1995 or so oh well you know the story i think i may have told it on this podcast. my dad it's called jesse owens jesse owens was listed in the phone book when my sister had to do her I think it was her seventh or eighth grade interview with somebody, and my dad called Jesse Owens up and goes, "Hey, my daughter has this this assignment she has to do for eighth grade. She has to interview somebody. Hey, would you mind if she came over and interviewed her? And he, uh, interviewed you?" And Jesse Owens goes, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And you know, because my dad lived in Berlin during 1936 during the Olympics, and my mom was actually in the opening ceremonies of the Olympics, so there was definitely a commonality. And my dad, you know, with a thick German accent, and uh, his, and and Jesse Owens, yeah, sure, came come on by, and they spent the afternoon. That's and awesome. I think he he lived like on Sheridan and like Foster, um, or something, or Bryn Mawr, not far from where, you know, we lived. And yeah, and he and my sister and my dad saw the the gold medals and and everything. And he was listed in the phone book. You know, there's another one um, that lived on the North Shore. I won't say which town. Um, but that is Apollo 11 uh, or Apollo 13 astronaut Jim Lovell. And and right when that movie came out, is it Apollo 13? Is that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Apollo, yeah, I think right. it is. When 13. Apollo 13 came out, by the way, somebody just rang the doorbell, which yeah. is causing my dog to go crazy. Uh, so we should probably wrap up the show because she's no. not going to stop barking. This is the funniest part of the podcast right here. <laughs> anyway, Jim Lovell is unlisted. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, to find out more about Rick and Dave, you can check us out at uh, EckhartsPress.com. Hey, hey, did you know that Marcus Welby's house and Leave it to Beaver's house was the exact same house? Is that right? Yeah. A little minutiae for you. I did not know that. 
Yeah. Uh, well, you can check us out at EckhartExpress.com. You can check us out at ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. If you'd like to reach us, you can drop us a line at MinutiaMenPodcast at gmail.com. Sean went and answered the door. Just That's why the dog has stopped barking. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with Opie Productions. We've been distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And we'll be back again uh, tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow. Next week. <laughs> Next week. Yeah. I'm, I'm not little, doing two weeks in a row. Forget it. I'm a little thrown days off in a row. by the barking dog. I'm sorry. Yes. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Minutia Men. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? <laughs> <laughs>